You have made it to episode 17 of the Stick to Syracuse podcast. My name is Brent Dax. So glad to have you here. Ed and Pam Levine met at Syracuse University's radio station, WAER, and have been together ever since. Now running Galaxy Media. And with the taste of Syracuse coming up this week, it shows how Galaxy Communications has evolved from a group of radio stations to something much more. We'll talk to Ed and Pam about the taste of Syracuse, the history of Galaxy, and just how they met at that student radio station one day. On the sound scene, Kathleen Mason from K-Mace Productions chats with, and we hear the alternative country of Dusty Pascal. Hey, how'd you arrive here today on the Stick to Syracuse podcast? Did you find the link through on Syracuse.com or social media? Those are both great ways to be here. But don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast and listen on demand when you want. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Well, Just Joe, what do you say you get this party started for us? Behind SU Sports, snowstorm weather we post. Stick to Syracuse today. Salt potatoes, high top dogs, dynasty barbecue all year long. Stick to Syracuse today. It's raining, it's snowing, it don't know where it's going. Stick to Syracuse today. Ladies and gentlemen, your host of Stick to Syracuse, Brett X. Classic rock all day. TK99 and TK105. Good morning, this is the show. You're listening to K-Rock 364-109 is the K-Rock text line. 424-ROCK, direct number into the studio. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 AM and 1440 AM. Are you getting ready to eat your heart out, Syracuse? Dollar samples of the best food and some of the best local music. Friday and Saturday in downtown Syracuse. But behind that festival is the Syracuse Power Couple that met at Syracuse University, formed a local radio company that's still going strong today, and is behind the taste of Syracuse and some of the biggest events in central New York. Ed and Pam Levine of Galaxy Media join me here on the Stick to Syracuse podcast. So the taste of Syracuse has arrived once again. People say that Memorial Day is the start of summer. No, no. The start of summer for me is the taste of Syracuse. So Pam, I will start with you. People always want to know what's new. So what's the newest, what's the latest, what's the greatest we can see over the next couple of days, that Friday and Saturday coming up? Always great stuff that's new. We have lots of new restaurants coming in and lots of new $1 samples. So that's always exciting. Our Youth Talent Showcase is brand new. So we have a bunch of young people who are going to be performing on Saturday on our uh, Erie Boulevard stage. So that'll be kind of cool to see some of the local young talent as opposed to you know, so we have great local bands, but these are the up-and-comers, so that's fun. And, of course, Sugar Ray is playing on Saturday on the main stage. You know, it seems like when you're trying to decide what that band is, I want to ask you about that process. When you sit down and say, okay, who can we bring in? Because you want somebody that's kind of mass appeal, different ages, but it is is recognized that when people hear that name, they know who it is, and they're going to want to go to see it. What's that process like when you decide who comes in as, as the main act on Saturday? Yeah, well, that is definitely... All those things we have to consider, we have to consider the fact, uh, what does our audience want? Um, But then you have to balance it on the other side with, 
all these bands are out there, but who's going to fit in the schedule? So we will think about bands that were maybe, um, you know, have been big in the last 10 to 20 years who are still out there, still touring, still playing casinos, still playing some large venues that would really draw a crowd. Very mass appeal and very accessible. Is there somebody that's still on the wish list that you're going after that is possible? I'll, I'll put it that way. You think is they're in range. They're, they're possible. I, I always used to want George Thorogood, and I'm, I'm afraid to say he, <laughs> he may have aged out for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I um, would go to that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I would, I would hang with you, Ed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we're both old. <laughs> you know? And that's, that's part of the whole thing. I, I, th- I think if you look at what we've done over the last, say, 10 years, we've clearly moved from... 70s-based bands into 80s-based bands and now into 90s-based mm-hmm. bands. That's not an accident. That's that's really where we're we're kind of moving with it. You know, we're getting into bands now that, you know, frankly, we're talking about bands that K-Rock played when they were current um, as opposed to what I would have played, you know, back in the 70s on 95X. So we, we've kind of moved into that 90s, almost new millennium genre now. Uh, and part of it may have been when we were – uh, we had, and they did a great job, these guys. When we had Molly Hatchet on uh, a couple of years ago at the Taste, maybe more than a couple of years ago now, and they had to like literally like lift the one uh, guy up on a crane because he could barely walk onto the stage. Uh, I, that was the moment where I went, hmm, we Wait might need to start here. looking yeah. at younger bands. There's a real pull for nostalgia. You know, I went to high school in the 90s, and when I hear Blues Travelers still playing, when I hear Sugar Ray is still playing, Hootie and the Blowfish are reuniting right, this summer. Right. Like they, it draws you back to a certain time. But those are all a different generation than Molly Hatchet, Marshall right. Tucker, right. and bands of that ilk. So you're right. That That's kind of like the older end of where we would look now, up to a Sugar Ray and even more current than that for taste. It's, you know, it's just an evolution of... Um, you know, of generations. That's true. And one thing I'm always very concerned about is that they're not going to stand up there and sing songs that are going to be offensive. You know, people, there are 30, 40, 50 year old people who have younger children with them. This is meant to be a mass appeal, fun evening out for couples, families. So we do select pretty hard for um, mass appeal and keeping it sort of family friendly. Absolutely. And Look, that's all well and good, but once in a while you got to teach the kids about music. So when Cheap Trick was here a couple of years ago, I was yeah. like, "See, you got to hear these guys yeah. because right. a lot of those bands wouldn't be doing what they're doing without." See, Cheap and after Trick. we chose Cheap Trick, they were elected to the Hall of Fame. That was Taste of Syracuse Boom. that made it happen. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's right. So we're talking about the national act, but one thing that I love about the Taste of Syracuse and the food speaks for itself and all the different options there. But this is one of the best gatherings of local music every year, and I've got to admit. And doing this podcast has opened my eyes to a lot of these amazing bands. And I'm going to leave out a, a bunch of names here. Discovering bands like the Old Main and Root Shock and some of these bands that are right in our backyard. And I hear these bands, and if I just heard it, if it just popped up on my playlist and I didn't know where they would where, where they were from, I would say that's a national act mm-hmm. that we're hearing. And you could see, boy, seven, eight, nine bands like that over the, the two days of the Taste of Syracuse. Absolutely. And, and the great thing, if you sort of look from the macro level – I'll wander down to the main stage on Saturday night and see a Sugar Ray or a Smash Mouth playing, and you have one type of audience there, but then you might go to the Erie Boulevard stage or the Clinton Square stage, and you're seeing a lot of you know, teens and 20-year-olds dancing and, and partying to that music. So we're trying to appeal to everyone. So if you don't like what's happening on the main stage, just check out the other two stages because there's 
guaranteed something you're going to love. And we usually try to counter program what is going on at all the stages. So we're not duplicating the same thing on all three stages. So you're telling me you're going to walk away from all this? This is this is the last run? No, not me. No, 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 no. not you. No, I will. No, I will probably be the one who turns out the lights when Taste of Syracuse <laughs> comes to an end in a hundred years. Well, Pam has <laughs> retired, but if you read the fine print in her contract, it says she is available for special projects. As I said, I didn't say I was retiring. I just said I was tired, ah, and they heard retired. <laughs> there you go. But she took the party well, so she's yes, happy about yes. it. Yes, you're the head of taste of Syracuse Emeritus. You are welcome Thank anytime, you. particularly you. those two days. I will in still early be ordering porta potties <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> How have you seen that, Ed? I want to turn to you on this because when you started in radio, and you mentioned it, you know, back in the day, 95X, evolving from being on the radio to now, you're doing events. Taste of Syracuse and wine and chocolate and even some of the sports events we've done. If I had told you that, you know, when you started, that you would be involved in these kind of things, what would you have said then? Well, I would have been excited because it was always part of my DNA of, of what we like to do. I mean, I remember back at, uh, at 95X, our first year on the air, it was 1979, and we did a huge concert at, uh, I think it was Esta, Esta in uh, Brewerton. And we had, we had no idea what we were doing. There were no sponsors. We didn't know you could do that. We just put a bunch of local bands together. And we had like 12,000 people out of this thing. So, and, and if you look at the history of that station when I was there, they were always doing, I mean, we did a, uh, I'll never forget the New Year's Eve 1979 into 1980. We put on a Pat Benatar concert at the old Uncle Sam's on Erie Boulevard. Um, and that was that was that was an inauspicious debut because I thought it was going to be terrific. We would do I think it was a hundred dollars per ticket, and it was like free champagne and food. And anyway, we overshot the demographic, and we had we were we needed I think a thousand people to break even. I think we had like two hundred and fifty, um, and we lost a lot of money. And I woke up with a, a really bad hangover the next day. Stumbled <laughs> out to my speaker. And turned on the station next to us at ninety four point five, and heard "Rock and Roll" by Led Zeppelin as ninety four rock signed on the air, and I said, uh, "This might not be too good," but um, you know that was uh, that was my first foray into the concerts and stuff. And uh, but you know uh, promotions and events and radio have always been tied tightly together. Typically, the promoter would be an outside guy that would come in that would make a, a, a small advertising buy on the radio station would allow the DJ to go on the stage. They'd hang a banner, usually crooked, on the stage. Uh, and the promoter would, you know, make all the money off the radio station's hard work. We kind of flipped that model on its head and said, what about if we become the promoter? Now, the downside is you have to take financial risk with that. But let's become the promoter and see if we can do that. And the good news is all these years later, we've won a lot more than we've lost. Um, and that's that's kind of how we got started, which – we were one of the two companies really in the radio industry that got going on the event side. Back six, seven years ago, you know, we were trying to hide how much money we were making on the events because it was embarrassing. It was, it was a lot. And, um, you know, now it's a thing of pride in us and another company are really the two leading companies in America that are known for event promotion. It's become a thing in the radio business as, you know, the whole media industry has been disrupted over the last, you know, five or ten years. So that being said, it has been disrupted. It evolves. It changes constantly. Sure. But what is the same? What is the same about this business that you have to be successful since when you both started at Syracuse University? Well, you've, you've got to have uh, real talent. You've got to have real content on the, on the radio, whether it's sports talk like what you do, 
whether it's, you know, Gomez and Lisa in the morning, whether it's, you know, Josh on K-Rock, whatever you do, you have to be real. You have to be more local than ever. I think that's really, really important. Um, And you have to connect with the audience that those things don't change whether you're listening on a old transistor radio, if any of those still exist, or, you know, a, a smart a smartphone or, you know, um, a smart speaker. It, it doesn't matter. It's still all about what comes out. I, I used to say when I was a program director, my job was to control everything that came out of the speakers. Now the job, first off, it's not called program director here anymore. It's called brand manager, is to control everything that has to do with the brand wherever, however it's being delivered or consumed. And, and that's a big difference. Pam, I've heard Ed tell this story, so I want to hear you tell this story. You two met at Syracuse University, correct. right? Huh. And right. it's been together ever since. Yep. All the highs, all the lows, everything yep. in between. Yep. Just tell me about meeting there and, and being by Ed's side all that time. Well, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I met Ed at the college radio station, WAER, back when it was all student-run. And we literally ran it. There was no adult supervision, period. I used to say it was like uh, Lord of the Flies. (laughs) We would punish people. We would fire them. (laughs) Now we we would have been sued 18 different ways. (laughs) Sounds like I should write a book about it. Oh, yeah. It was was definitely, you know, we we were all running our own little dictatorship there. Uh, So... And I think to this day, the university still does a a big fundraiser in the spring for a charity. But at that time, it was a charity event for muscular dystrophy. Many activities happened. But one of the things was one of the fraternities, you could hire their people out to throw pies in other people's faces. So I was the junior member of the senior staff. Ed was the senior member of the senior staff. He was the program director. So they figured they'd task me with arranging to have a pie thrown in his face because I was the freshman. So they figured he wouldn't get mad at me. So we're all sitting at a senior staff meeting, and he has this big red bushy beard, and the guy walks in and says, I'm looking for Ed Levine, and everyone points at him, and whoomp! And we've been together ever since. <laughs> That's more or less the story. Yep. That is fantastic. Yep. First of all, I think that beard needs to come back. Uh, and be all I'm, white now. Yeah. If I, I'm thinking charity event, pies in the face, yeah, you know, yeah. circle back to yeah. the, the original there. We might have to make that happen. Well, like, we, we did do that, that once again. as a promotion back uh, in the old days. Uh, Ted Knotts and I each took a pie at Fair, back at Fairmount Fair to tell you how long ago that was. Fairmount Fair. Fairmount wow. Fair. Outside the Gerber Music Store wow. at Fairmount Fair. There you wow. go. Wow. Back in the day. Way back it. machine. I love it. What, Ed, do you do? Because I, I find it interesting. So you're a huge Yankees fan. Yep. And Galaxy is in business with the Yankees. So you mm-hmm. mix business and pleasure. There. Absolutely. Obviously the same thing with Syracuse University Sports and how prominent Galaxy is with TK99, <clears throat> ESPN Radio, mm-hmm. and their involvement with Syracuse sports. So what do you like to do that doesn't mix business and pleasure? Is there anything you do that <laughs> it doesn't involve, you know, that's galaxy a, that's media? That's a great question outside of my, you know, my family and, you know, sleep, sleep my dogs working out. Uh, probably no, no. Uh, I've, I've managed to make a career out of doing what I love to do that I would be doing if I wasn't here on the radio. That's why when I hear people talking about retirement, that's my nightmare. Because if I got up in the morning and I couldn't do the things that I do now, I, I don't know what I do. You know, we, we're lucky enough that we have a, a place down south that we go to a lot. But after about three or four days down there, <laughs> uh, I'm like, get me back to Syracuse because it's just boring. You know, so yeah. we and we're able to do, you know, we're, we, I'll give you a great example. We haven't announced this yet. So you have an exclusive. 
we're doing our first real big New York event in August. We're, it's called the New York, New York Baseball Brewfest. And we're going to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the 99 Yankees World Series and the 50th anniversary of the 69 Miracle Mets. And we're doing a, a great brew fest at, at a, a great aviation museum, but we're also bringing in Bernie Williams, Paul O'Neill, Tino Martinez from the 99 Yankees, Jim Leyritz, uh, as well as Ed Cranepool, Art Shamsky, and Ron Swoboda from the 69 Mets. And they're going to do Q&A. They're going to do autographs, sort of like what we did here with uh, our spring football event. And at the end of the night, Bernie Williams and his jazz band are going to do a set. So, I mean, this is going to be a huge event in New York, um, tied in. I grew up in New York while the 69 Mets were hot. Obviously, I'm a huge Yankees fan. So I'm getting to do all my great fun stuff. Um, and, you know, hopefully we make a few dollars on it. Um, th- that's the kind of stuff we love to do um, that, you know, we're kind of testing this in New York which is kind of the opposite of how you're supposed to do new things. You're supposed to test it out. We're going to test <laughs> We're it in the, the test market here, yeah, right? No, no, no. Well, yeah. we, we actually did test it a little bit with the spring football and with the orange out, but now we're going right into New York in the heart of the belly of the beast in August to do this event. And if it works, I, I think there's things that we can do in multiple cities all around the country that love their sports teams. So you two seem to be the example of if you do what you love, you don't really work. You just do. It's right? a cliche, but that's really true. You know, and I, I have some friends that are either retired or talking about it, and I'm like, I'm like, what do you do? And it's like well, I always, I said, and I signed up for breakfast and dinner. I did not sign up for lunch. Yeah, you, so <laughs> go to work. The <laughs> only one more nervous about me not working would be Pam. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm going to be doing this for a long time. You brought it up about how important local is content. Yep. You have seen it as well as anybody. How have you managed to keep that emphasis on local with all the corporate gains that have been out there, the clear channels, the cumuluses of the world? And how have, how have you just fought through that over all these years? You know, we made a business decision not to compete where we could not win. Um, so we, you know, they zig, we zag. Um, they centralize everything. We localize everything. And, and that's really kind of been our mentality for the, for the last, well, 30 years, but specifically the last 10 or 15 and uh, we just look to optimize what we can do well and try to minimize the things that they have a clear advantage on. And it, it's been successful for us. And local is our clearest advantage. And I think that's part of what the events do, too, is um, it promotes our brands, but we bring fun things to local communities for local people. You know, Syracuse, Utica. Operative word local. Operative word local. And, and, we, and look, here's the reality. We live here. You know, if, if if somebody has a bad experience with Galaxy, they're going to see me out at a restaurant or dinner or at a ball game or something. I don't want somebody coming up to me and saying, you know, I had a bad experience with Galaxy because, you know, I'll feel bad and I'm going to try to fix it. So I think the fact that we are living in this community, that we are responsible to this community to a large degree, that we want to make life better in this community, um, I, I, that's, that's a guiding light to us. Um, and, and I think greatly differentiates us from, from everybody else that we compete with. Final question for both of you. I like to ask every guest on the podcast this question. What makes Syracuse Syracuse? The people. Uh, the, the fact that we can complain about Syracuse, you know, till we're blue in the face to each other. And we like to as, as Syracusans. <laughs> God help the person that takes a shot at Syracuse that doesn't live in Syracuse. You've got a fight on your hands then. Pam, would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I mean, I think, too, that the, the ironic thing is we all bitch and complain about the weather, but that's part of what makes us us. You know, so when everyone else is complaining it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too snowy, it's too rainy, it's like, 
We embrace it. And for the next five months, there's nowhere else in the country you'd rather be. Jim Beheim's got it right. Well, yeah. A few months out of the year, there's nowhere else you'd rather be, and the rest of the time, it's basketball. So yeah, it's right? <laughs> true. Coach is exactly he's, right, he's as right. always. Yeah. Pam and Ed, thank you so much. Thanks. Hey, what do you say? Have a happy day, because we're living in Syracuse. Dusty Pascal, a 35-year-old Skinny Atlas resident, is a refreshingly old soul and expresses himself lyrically like a modern version of acoustic icon John Prine. Since his father first put a guitar in his hands at age 13, Pascal has trusted his musical instincts and has refused to let the commercial side of the music business affect his creative process. Writing music has never been about the money, he said. One of the most likable qualities of Pascal's music is that, unlike some bands who try to boast about their musical skill while playing or singing, he lets the tunes speak for themselves. Here's Dusty with Kathleen Mason from K-Mace Productions on the sound scene. First off, though, thanks to Cabal Studios and Anthony, our sound guy, for <laughs> for doing it right for us every week so, so far. So, Dusty, when I was reading your bio, I didn't know this, that hmm. your dad was also into music mm-hmm. and that he was an influence on you. Huge influence. Yeah, huge influence. How was he an influence? Good question, too. It was not just growing up, the music was always there, but it was his... It's his character. He's a songwriter. I've recorded um, a Lonesome, um, a, song, a poem that he wrote and I put music to. Um, so it's the most beautiful, saddest song on the album. And, mm-hmm. and, um, but um, it's his character, the way he lived. He raised six kids. I was the youngest of six. Wow. And um, I thought we were rich growing up. You know, I had no clue. <laughs> I had no clue. You know, I mean, well, you were in a way, yeah. We, yeah, we were. Well, oh, we were totally loaded with love, but um, it was hard, you know, mm-hmm. a roof, especially you know, a roofing business and, and, and it's seasonal. But um, just a beautiful human being, and the way he writes is so beautiful. He's honest. He's right to the bone, and I. Um, and that yeah. is really what you portray, just yeah. from my from my opinion. Yeah. Seeing you, you really know how to just like reach into somebody and tear them apart but yeah. in the best way yeah not trying <laughs> I, 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 I want to get as close to the song as I can but but, sure. but yeah without trying too hard I guess roses you don't really love them do you and if you knew them like I do you you'd love them over time time drive roses Hanging up by their toes, loving you like a rose, holding on to waste of time. But when I went to make you humble, open heart, feel the rumble, come and go, don't you stumble, leave me on the line. Summer wind and summer weather When everything can come together I feel it now more than ever We'll learn to love in overtime I'll give you 
guitar at 13 about yeah wow it's yeah. been a little bit long time yeah not too I'm, long i'm 71 now right yeah. yep. <laughs> 71. he's really not um, <laughs> so one of my favorite parts of of a lot of the shows that you've done for me is you you have yourself five kids yeah um and they are are they all musical or is it just Tatum? Because I know Tatum comes and sings with you. It, she mm-hmm. sings Break Me, which is really a heartbreaking, right? beautiful song. Yeah. You know, I always want to hear it. Are any of the other kids into music? It's funny how it, how it goes. They're all, they all love, they're all music lovers. Mm-hmm. When They'll send me from time to time a, a track from a new songwriter or something. And it's like, oh my God, great taste, you know? Um, but um, Tatum um, plays an instrument. You know, the rest... Um, my daughter Ayla, um, percussion. I used to play with her, but they, they're so busy, so that you know, I think they'll pick it up later. Mm-hmm. R- Riley, when I was when she was five years old, she sang "Home with Me." Oh my God, Aww. so beautiful! And she it was before the world kind of makes you nervous about you know right. stuff. So she's singing with all her heart, beautifully pitch her voice, and and um. But yeah, Tatum is she's multi. She's better a musician than me. She can play anything. Wow. She's, she, she'll YouTube it. And you do just, you think that she... Oh, I know. YouTube yeah. today. But she's got it. Um, do you think that... Um, I mean, does she has she expressed any any uh, ideas to you as far as, like, I really want to do pursue music? Um, no, she's she's really, really cool. She's She wants to pursue everything, and she does. Um, and then she'll take a break, and then she'll come back. So she doesn't put any real pressure on it and Michelle and I don't put you mm-hmm. know we don't put any pressure right. on it we just want them to do what they love and, and, and be good at it is it the fear of love or falling is it the mirror or the wall come on if you heard me calling would you feel love the fall would you pick up would you pick up I would hold you on the water when your storms are closing in One and only other Who can heal me like you can Baby, pick up Pick up Storm 
what is your favorite room to play? No pressure, but my favorite room to the. You know, that, there's so many good places. Mm-hmm. Like I love the I was hoping you I would love say the Bordano Grange <laughs> Hall. That that mm-hmm. room is just so cool. The best sounding room um, was the May Memorial um, uh, Church, Holy Moly. That was I'm, I don't know. The stars lined up, and in you know, I felt really really good there. But I would say all in all, I would have to say probably the Bordino Grange Hall for some mm-hmm. reason. It was just it's built to project that sound. It's like singing in your bathroom. Yeah. It is. We actually did a show there yeah. with you. Yeah. That's the first time that I That's saw right. you. Yeah. I remember watching you do sound check. Mm-hmm. And I literally was like stunned into silence. And it's funny because you must I have felt that, that because you looked at me and you said, you're feeling it, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. how does he know that? You were right there. Well, you're, I could tell I you're was, a music was, lover. You're, you oh, love absolutely. music. Absolutely. absolutely. So thank you so much for being on. Where can people find you? Um, just Google my name. Well, Apple Music, um, iTunes. DustyPascal.com. Um, yeah, Dusty Pascal. I really don't maintain that. I wish I, wish I had more time to do that. Um, Facebook. I always post my shows on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the music is, all, is on, it's on the Internet. And now, sounds from our next episode. Professional Victims are a husband and wife alternative rock duo based in Syracuse, New York. Holding multiple Sammy Awards, Sean Sullivan and Ashley Cox put out a few recordings of their music comprised of sonic guitars, swirling synths, and hooky hooks. Catch them live for an audio-visual experience as they've curated videos to sync up with their performances. Super trippy. That's next time on Stick to Syracuse. We thank you for listening to Episode 17. My name is Brent Dax. Just a reminder that you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Until next time, I'll meet you at Ambrosia.